This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, front and center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. What is up, hockey fans? This is the Golden Edge Podcast, the podcast for the Las Vegas Review-Journal. Talks about hockey and just off-season stuff that's going on in the NHL. It's kind of the dead time of the calendar. Could be a long dead time in the calendar because we still don't know how long we're going to be in it and when next season is going to start. But we're going to talk about some interesting, hopefully, Golden Knights and NHL topics this week. I, of course, am Ben Goetz, one of your review journal Golden Knights beat reporters. On the other line is my colleague Dave Shane. Dave, how you doing, man? Well, I'm good, I guess, now that uh, I didn't get COVID-19 from Bill Foley, but uh, I guess we can talk about that later, um, subject for another time. But yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Hanging in. How about you? You know, I'm okay. I'm now at the point where I have uh, I got away for a little bit with the, the girlfriend and dog with some friends and stuff. I have you know, laid back, chilled, kicked my feet up on some Sundays watching some football. And now I'm kind of over it and I'm ready for things to start happening again. And I'm uh, not prepared for uh, the length that this offseason might be, but I think I'm going to have to live with it this time around. Yeah, might be a little bit, might be a little bit. I don't know. I'm kind of in the opposite boat. I feel like I'm ready to kick back, but. You know, we'll see. Golden Knights always keep us busy, right? Exactly. And we can trade off a little bit because, as you mentioned, you got to go on the luxurious uh, trip to Montana and I did not. So that was extra work for you. Uh, But we do want to talk about a lot of things that actually Dave has done and what we have done and what we have coming up in the coming weeks, days, months. Before we do that, I want to remind everyone that the Golden Edge podcast is presented by Indeed and Favor Shop, drinkafavor.com. Also, please check out all the written work that I was just trying to plug at reviewjournal.com. And of course, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. Uh, so the first topic I want to lead off with is actually a piece that you wrote, Dave, last Wednesday, uh, because you talked to the one and only Marc-Andre Fleury. Uh, People can obviously read the full story on the website, but I figured it'd be kind of good to hit the highlights because we may have talked about Marc-Andre Fleury once or twice on this podcast and written about him in a story or 12. Uh, First of all, 
he's had a heck of a couple months. I mean, his goalie coach basically uh, ends up ultimately leaving the organization. They bring in a new goalie coach in. Uh, they have a new just coach come in, of course, in January. Then there's the pandemic. He gets off to a late start to training camp, ultimately loses a starting spot to Robin Leonard. Uh, before the second round against the Vancouver Canucks, his agent fires off the infamous swords backstabby tweet. There are endless trade rumors after that. And now, finally, as we kind of discussed on previous episodes, uh, Kelly McCurman, the general manager, comes out and says, actually, no, Flurry is staying put in Las Vegas. He and Robin Leonard are going to be our goaltenders next year. It's a lot, and it's, I'm sure it's been a lot for Marc-Andre Fleury to process. Uh, how did he seem to be handling it all uh, when you talked to him, Dave? Well, I think the word relief that he used was a very interesting choice of words, and I think it was pretty telling, to be quite honest. You know, obviously he's happy. Obviously he had said in previous interview that, you know, he wanted to return. He never asked for a trade and all those sorts of things. But I think the fact that he was relieved to be coming back, that he knew, you know, the trade rumors were out there, that they were obviously talking about him, that, you know, with Robin Leonard coming aboard and everything that kind of happened, that his future was in doubt, that that it was tenuous, and he wasn't sure whether he was going to be a Golden Knight again, whether, you know, his performance against Dallas in the Western Conference Final was going to be the the farewell. Obviously, and, and he said this as well, that, last few weeks the last month it's been stressful and for him to be back I, I clearly he's happy and i think it'll be interesting to see how it all works out and we can kind of talk about you know that in general but just the word relieved the relief and and the feeling that he felt i i just i just think that was a very telling phrase yeah there's a lot of interesting things that i thought flurry both said and kind of left unsaid First of all, as you said, he said he's happy that he didn't have to basically move and pack up his things in the middle of a pandemic and that he's back in Las Vegas. So I obviously, you know, by that, as you're saying, Dave, that I'm sure, you know, in his heart of hearts, he didn't want to leave the organization. He didn't want to like kind of pack up and move his family to a new market. But I am curious how he feels ultimately when it gets to be, you know, the first couple of games of whatever this season looks like. And he's watching from the bench. And one thing that, you know, he didn't necessarily say like, yeah, I'm thrilled to be a backup goaltender at this stage in my career. Ultimately, at the end, he said he's still excited about the fact that he can keep kind of climbing the all-time wins list and things like that. So, you know, do you ultimately think he's kind of happy and content with the role that he might end up playing on this team? Or is he maybe not as focused on that right now and just happy to kind of take a moment to breathe? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think he's happy to be back in Vegas because I think he likes it here. I think in general, he likes the team and the organization, you know, I guess maybe that's a stretch at this point in terms of his relationship, again, something else we'll get into, but I think all things being equal, unless he was going to go back to like Pittsburgh or something, which I, you know, we talked about this before that, that was a very difficult proposition. So unless that was going to happen, I think he wanted to be here. So I think he's happy to be back and, and all of those sorts of things. But again, like you mentioned, what's going to happen during the season, if he's playing well and Robin Leonard continues to get starts, I don't know that he's entirely happy 
with his role in his situation. And I don't, he didn't express that. I don't expect him to ever really come out and say, you know, yeah, I'm not happy with this. Or if he does, you know, it would be, you know, in a, in a certainly um, safer, you know, more thought of context and, and all that. I think we'd be more careful about his words or, or something like that. But I just think in general, the situation is probably not ideal. And I still feel like he wants to be here, but he wants to be the starter. And he knows that Robin Leonard signed and Pete DeBoer favored him in the playoffs. And that right now, at least going into it, Robin Leonard is going to be the number one guy. Now, clearly, with all of this being said, you know, there's also the understanding that if and when the season begins, whether it's January 1st, whether it's like mid-January, whether it's February 1st, as Bill Foley has maybe suggested that it might be, that it's going to be a condensed schedule. There's going to be a lot of back-to-backs, and there's probably going to be a lot of opportunities that present themselves for Marc-Andre Fleury to play. And I would expect him to get starts. Does that mean it's going to be 50-50? Probably not. Does that mean it's going to be, you know, like a, a... two to one, I guess, you know, ratio where, where Leonard gets two to every one. I don't know. Maybe it's somewhere in between that, you know, maybe it's a 60, 40, maybe it's a 55, 45 type of split based on the schedule, but all things being equal, part of the feeling that I got from the interview is that this situation seems like everybody's just going to kind of swallow hard and put up with it for a little bit and understand that it's going to be, a unique scenario, a unique season again. And if they all have to, you know, sit around the campfire and roast marshmallows and get along that they're going to try to do it temporarily. But I don't think anybody feels long-term like is Mark Andre Fleury going to play out both years of his contract this way. I don't think anybody sees that in the future. I, I just, I'm really doubtful of that. Well, speaking of kind of swallowing hard, I think one of the most interesting parts of your story is uh, you basically asked him, hey, did you feel misled at all by the organization? Because when they officially traded for Robin Leonard, the day of the trade deadline, Kelly McCrimmon kind of stood up at the podium and told us, the assembled media, that they brought in Leonard basically because they didn't have confidence in Malcolm Subban as Fleury's backup. And if anything happened to Marc-Andre Fleury, that basically they felt that they would be in trouble and kind of the Stanley Cup contender that they had built wouldn't get, you know, a real shot to go deep in the postseason. I mean, and basically that's it was framed as this was a move made in support of Marc-Andre Fleury, not a move made to ultimately supplant Marc-Andre Fleury, which is what ended up happening. And Fleury basically gave you a, I'm not talking about, you know, whether I felt misled or kind of betrayed or whatever when you asked him that question. Uh, And I certainly thought it was interesting that he, you know, I think it's obviously smart and tactful for him to probably not touch that question, but him refusing to comment, I think also speaks, speaks a lot to how he probably feels deep down in his heart of hearts. Yeah, I agree. I mean, sometimes, you know, what you don't say says more than, than what you do or, you know, whatever goofy phrase I'm trying to say. Um, Yeah. Again, I think it was telling, I think, you know, he, he, he's gotten these questions before he knows he's going to get them in the future. So for him to not want to answer that, I think it clearly still stings. And I think it's clearly something that he's still not entirely 
over. And I think it goes to the tweet. And, you know, as much as I tried to talk to Alan Walsh about it, uh, he again refused to comment specifically about the tweet, kind of making it more about Marc-Andre Fleury and that reiterating Marc-Andre Fleury wanted to be back. He never asked to be traded. He's happy to be returning, all those sorts of things. So, you know, again, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the frustration during the playoffs during the summer was that Marc-Andre Fleury felt like his role was spelled out one way and that it happened a different way. And and I think, you know, everybody can kind of probably step back and and come away from everything that happened in the postseason with that sort of an interpretation. I, I don't think that's a stretch. Yeah. And the other kind of telling thing that uh, his agent, Alan Walsh, who you also talked to for the story, uh, didn't say left unsaid uh, is you asked him because Fleury was quoted in the French outlet Les Jardins de Montreal. I probably uh, mispronounced that. Forgive me attempting French there. Uh, that Fleury said he had had no communication with the Knights in the offseason. And Walsh uh, basically didn't tell you that that was the case, but did tell you that, yeah, Fleury did say that. And then he gave you uh, the old, that's for other people to decide when you asked him if it was normal to not have any contact uh, during the offseason. So I vote that we can become those other people that Walsh is referencing And do we think that's normal? Because to me, it's relatively surprising. And I know these things are delicate and you don't want to necessarily straight up tell someone that they're involved in, you know, trade talks or that trade rumors that they might be reading on social media are legit. But the fact there's basically been zero communication, uh, obviously coupled with something we talked about, uh, I can't remember it was last episode or even before, that Nate Schmidt basically didn't really get any communication uh, from George McPhee prior to his trade to the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, It certainly paints an interesting picture, Dave. Well, I think, you know, let's answer the first question was, do we think it's normal? And part of my attempts with Alan Walsh and my line of questioning was just to educate me because I don't necessarily know, you know, how a team handles that. To me, it would seem in in my experience and having dealt with, you know, a little bit with the NFL and just, you know, a a couple other things throughout my career, it would seem that if you have the face of the franchise in a situation where potentially he could be traded, that you would want to keep him at least a little bit in the loop or his camp somewhat in in the loop. Now, I also understand that there's some elements of the Golden Knights are a very tight-lipped organization and they do not say a lot and they don't want a lot out. I know when it comes to contract negotiations and things like that, when, you know, when you and I make phone calls or another, when it gets quiet, usually that's when something happens. And it's usually because the Golden Knights are trying to keep everybody muzzled. And so, you know, in that sense, I get that they're not going to necessarily like spill the beans entirely with Marc-Andre Fleury because they don't want anything to get out. But, I don't quite understand how you have the face of the franchise and everything that's happened, their relationship over the last couple of years, the fact they resigned him and everything that happened after the first year, everything that they said at that point, they felt like he wasn't a big lumbering hit me goalie. We might get three to four years out of him, all those sorts of things. And, and then to just not kind of tell him what's going on, uh, that, that just doesn't seem normal to me. It doesn't feel right. And certainly from my conversation with Alan Walsh, 
I don't think it sat really well with him, even though, you know, he didn't come right out and say that. Yeah, we'll have to see how all of this kind of stuff ultimately shakes out. As you said, Dave, I think despite kind of these interesting rumblings that came out of your talk with Flurry, I think the broad takeaway is what you said is that everyone's going to kind of just swallow the medicine for at least a year and kind of accept the the situation that they're all in and try to make the best of it but certainly uh come next off season or come even you know potentially you know down the road into the season there's going to be kind of interesting complications that will ultimately pop up but let's move on to uh some other topics uh for today's show uh the second one let's just get to it because you hinted it off the top uh bill foley owner of the golden knights of course uh, told the hockey news uh, yesterday he tested positive for COVID-19 10 days ago. Uh, he said he did not have any uh, dramatic symptoms. He uh, had a little fatigue. Uh, that was it. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that made you uh, feel good, Dave, after spending time up at that Montana ranch. <laughs> okay, well, so I'm not even sure like what I'm allowed to say at this point. But, like, I might as well just, like, let it all out. I mean, I got a phone call, kind of like one of those contact tracing phone calls that said I had been in contact with somebody who tested positive and made, you know, a couple phone calls to a couple other people. We're trying to, like, piece together, you know, everything going on. It was like a cool game of Among Us or something, like, but in but in real life, like trying to figure out what the heck happened. And so, yeah, I figured out, you know, like that it was Bill Foley that I had been in contact with. And, you know, clearly being up in Montana, having the interview. Um, I'm not sure entirely when he tested positive. I think when he told Matt Larkin from the Hockey News, it was 10 days. So if we go yesterday, I think, you know, we're talking, you know, what would have been. I mean, my interview with him was like two weeks ago, Friday. So I think I was pretty, pretty well in the clear and I did have a test uh, that came back negative and kind of spent the last week or week and a half, like really trying to limit my contact with anybody and stay isolated. But I'm glad to hear that Bill Foley is doing well because I wasn't sure what I could say, like what the HIPAA laws were or anything like that at this point. And since he's said it, I guess we can spill the beans, but yeah, I, I am glad he's doing well and hopefully that continues and, I guess to anybody else in the organization, maybe that was around him. Hopefully nobody else uh, tested positive. And if they did, I hope everybody's doing well. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over three million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. 
They say a healthy gut means a healthy you. Favor apple cider vinegar shots? Bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot. Better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com. Oh, we have one more topic I want to hit on today's show because it's the off season and we're looking for things to do. And uh, something that you actually tweeted yesterday, Dave, gave me an interesting idea, which is you tweeted the updated, basically, Westgate future odds uh, for the Stanley Cup winner. So we're going to talk about something that I personally am awful at, which is betting. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to look at those future Stanley Cup odds. As I said, these are from the Westgate as of uh, Monday. We're recording this on Tuesday afternoon and pick out uh, some of our best bets. So obviously, I mean bets, not picks. We're not just picking, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup favorites because that would be boring. I think everyone at this point could tell you kind of who the top three or so Stanley Cup favorites could be. Uh, but I think bets would be make it a little bit more interesting. Uh, and just for reference, for those of you that are curious, the Knights are actually the early favorite at six to one. Uh, Tampa Bay, the defending Stanley Cup champions, are seven to one. Colorado is at eight to one. Those are your top three. Um, so, Dave, I wanted to make this little game, and how I figured we could do it is I'm going to give you $50 in fictional money. I'm stealing this bit from uh, the podcast Puck Soup, I believe. I think they do something similar. Um, so you can spend that $50, and you can allocate it however you like across this betting board. Uh, I'd say do increments of five just because that makes it uh, easy. It makes it easier to track. But with that said, if you have $50 of fictional money and you're looking at this giant list of uh, future Stanley Cup odds here, who are some of the picks that uh, you're looking at and you think that's a pretty good bet? And I will say up the top before Dave talks, one, so I can give him more time to brainstorm, two, so I can get this disclaimer in there. I would not take this betting advice, by the way, people. This is a fun way to talk about the offseason, but... As I said, I'm terrible at sports betting, so do not treat these as actual picks you should go make bets on because I guarantee you will be disappointed. All right, Dave, go ahead. Yeah, we're not allowed to bet on the NHL, so like this is pretty much just throwing fictional money in the wind and seeing where it lands. And I guess with that, okay, so I'm I like I always look at the value. Like I'm going to go way down. I don't. I'm not going to go anything like the Flyers or. None of that stuff. I always look down the board for value, but I'm really bad in terms of the money and like how you distribute the money and, and, and based on the odds and whatever. So I might be screwing all of this up, but all right, here we go. My, I'm going to put $20 on the Winnipeg Jets at 40 to 1 because 40, 40 to 1 is ridiculous for a team that has the Vezina Trophy winner, potentially got stronger at second line center. With Paul Stastny adding, you know, that if they get, you know, Patrick Line going and all the, and they get some kind of defense figured out with that, with that team, they're very dangerous, especially in a playoff scenario. So 40 to one for me, that's pretty tasty. So I'd throw like 20 on them. All right. Then we go to New York. Okay. Because, all right, first off, we go to the Islanders. So I'd put 10 on the Islanders. All right, because one, I trust Lou Lamarillo. Two, I trust Barry Trotz. They're also a team that gave the Tampa Bay Lightning a really good run, I guess you could say, in the Eastern Conference Final. 
I think their style of play is always going to keep them in the running and make them a difficult out in the playoffs. And if they get enough goaltending and, you know, Barzell takes another step forward and, and all the sorts of improvements that they might be able to make, you know, between now and then, that's a team that I'd throw $10 on. The other one is the Rangers. And the Rangers are like the big wild card. And I was really high on them from a betting standpoint going into uh, the postseason, like the tournament. And it's just because their goaltending is a complete wild card. And if Shesterkin is the real deal and they've got Lafreniere there now, and with everything else, they seem to be kind of on the trending on the, on the uprise, you know, going into the pause and all of those, those sorts of things, adding the number one overall pick. And if that continues in the next season at 25 to one, that's pretty good. So if I got 10 bucks left over, I'm going to throw five bucks on the penguins. Just I'll throw five bucks on a Sidney Crosby of Jenny Malkin bet. Basically give them one, one last run. And then if I got $5 left at 60 to one, so the penguins were at 20 to one, by the way, if I didn't say that. So the other one, I got five bucks left. I'm throwing it on the Canadians at 60 to one for similar reasons as like the jets. They made a lot of off season. I don't know if like upgrades you could say, but like re-signing guys, Carey Price, they have a solid backup in Jake Allen now. If Nick Suzuki takes a step forward, if Kotkaniemi, I'm going to call him KK. I can't pronounce Kotkaniemi. Oh, I just did there. But if he, if he takes another step forward, you know, down the middle, you've got solid forwards. Philip Dano is another guy that they can use as a matchup. Like that's a, that's a potentially dangerous team and a really good division. But that's where I'm spreading my 50 bucks. All right. We clearly share at least some sort of brain because I also put $5 on the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, just because, as you said, I thought that was crazy that they were that far down the board. I get that they made the return to play by like the skin of their teeth last year. So they shouldn't be like a favorite or whatever. But when you've got that goaltending tandem, when you've got some young talent, uh, you know, like Nick Suzuki, the ex, of course, Knight's draft pick, uh, I think they could make some noise. And would it shock me if they got some hot goaltending and made a run farther than people expected? Absolutely not. And it's 61, 60 to 1. I thought that was kind of stealing. Uh, the other one that you did that uh, I respect because I didn't quite have the guts to pull the trigger on it was the big bet on the Winnipeg Jets, who, as you said, they got Paul Stasny. There's a theme here about uh, the teams that we're betting on having ex-Golden Knights. Maybe that says something about the teams we uh, investigate. But they've got Connor Hellebuck there, who's so good. They've got a legit top line. Maybe with Stasny there, they'll have a legit second line. I just couldn't pull the trigger quite because I, I wanted one more defenseman there. And obviously, there's still time in the offseason. Maybe they end up kind of picking someone off waivers that's good or make a trade in the middle of the season but they're a team where it's like if they had ultimately been the ones to acquire uh nate schmidt instead of vancouver i would really like winnipeg right now and obviously their odds probably would have changed as a result anyway but they were just seemed one piece away uh for me but i also like that you were you're trying to go down with the uh, Sidney crosby ship as well yeah, kind of, you know, like it, there's like got to be a crack left in that window of opportunity, right? I mean, he's too good not to like think that twenty to one you can get something. Out. And then if Tristan, jo- if Tristan Jari, boy, I'm just I'm butchering the names today. Um, if Tristan Jari is, you know, gives him enough in goal, 
I mean, it's just hard to bet against like Sidney Crosby and Malkin. And then they were a good team last year. I, they were a team, obviously, that that was right on the fringe of getting a bye and got upset by the Canadians. I think in some regard, maybe it was the media's fault. I think we almost got in their heads kind of for four months talking about, you know, oh, my gosh, you got to face Carey Price and all these sorts of things. So, I, you know, it's one last one last uh one last hurrah, I guess you could say. I think they have him in them, maybe. maybe. No, and they were unbelievably unhealthy uh, last year. So, you know, maybe if injury luck kind of swings their way, they'll be okay. All right, I'll go through mine. As I already said, I put Lake Dave $5 on the Montreal Canadiens because I thought that 60 to 1 was too eye popping uh, to walk away from. Uh, I took a different approach where I didn't look quite downboard as much. I really like the Bruins. At 14 to 1, they were had the uh, fourth lowest odds behind uh, the Knights, Tampa Bay, and Colorado. I feel like they're lower than they probably should be because I feel like a lot of pieces were written once the Bruins were ousted by the Lightning in the second round of like, oh man, was this this last shot for this Bruins core? And I didn't really get that line of thinking. They're bringing almost everyone back. Of course, they lost uh, Tori Krug to the St. Louis Blues. Who knows if Zdeno Chara Chara is ultimately going to return. Their blue line has question marks. But I love their forward group. I love their goaltending tandem. And I think that they're uh, worth putting 10 bucks on at 14-1 because they are indeed the reigning President's Trophy winners. And somehow they have the uh, fourth lowest odds to get to the cup. Uh, I also, uh, and I'm sure their own fans will hate me for saying this, kind of like what the Maple Leafs did this offseason, getting Joe Thornton, getting a lot of kind of depth guys to uh, help out, kind of fill out their their bottom six. So I put $10 on the Maple Leafs at 16-1, despite the fact that they have like yet to get out of the even the first round in the Austin Matthews era. Maybe they will finally do that uh, next postseason, and I will look like a genius for believing in them. Uh, the Hurricanes... Needed ten dollars for me at twenty-five to one. Uh, love their young core. Uh, if they could get healthy one of these postseasons, I think they have a real shot to make another deep run. Because of course, uh, not this postseason, but the previous one, they went to the Eastern Conference Final. And uh, ten dollars on the Flames at thirty to one. I don't love what the Flames did this offseason actually, but I think it'll work out in the short term. Uh, they signed Jacob Markstrom. They plucked him from division rival Vancouver. For a very hefty contract that I did not love. I did not love giving a lengthy, expensive contract to, uh, I think he's a 30-year-old goalie. But for the first like year or two of that deal, I think that's going to be okay. Same with the Chris Tanev contract, which I'm not totally in love with. Um, at 30-1, I think the Flames are actually a decent-sized bet. I don't. They're you know kind of in the middle of the board, but I think they could conceivably be a top, you know, fringe top 10-ish team. In the NHL next year, they won the Pacific Division, uh, you know, in 2018-19 and certainly rebounded once uh, Coach Bill Peters was fired. So I liked them at 30 to one. And then I just put because, you know, I got uh, lame at the end of this. In addition to the five dollars I put on the Montreal Canadiens as my long shot bet, I also did a hedge bet with a favorite and put five dollars on the uh, Colorado Avalanche, who if you know we were making our season predictions today, I would say are my president's trophy favorite. Now, who knows what next regular season looks like? Because that certainly 
could change a lot of things. Even 82 games in hockey often don't necessarily decide who the best regular season team is. So who knows if, you know, 50 some games will. But I, I got bored or not bored. I got skittish at the end and needed to put kind of my $5 hedge bet on Colorado so that I will, you know, come close to recouping my uh, $50 if indeed the Avalanche lift the cup. I like the Hurricanes bet. That was one I was kind of looking at that I think my, my thing with them is the goaltending. And I still, I still feel like, you know, just to go back to an earlier topic, I, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury, they, they said, okay, you know, we're not looking to trade him kind of at the moment. We're going to go into the season with him and Robin Leonard, but uh, there's nothing really says that, you know, if something doesn't pop up and say the trade deadline or whatever that might happen, you know, it, the Hurricanes seem like the most logical spot at this point for a team that if you think short term, you know, you can get an upgrading goal. Maybe Mark Andre Fleury is somebody that you would look at. I don't know, but I do that. That's a that's a core. I agree with you that that's really good, really young, um, really dangerous. Svechnikov and, and Aho and and those guys and, and Slavin on on defense. Very underrated. Very underrated. They don't get talked about enough. Yeah, no. So the interesting thing for them, as you mentioned, is their goaltending because they got Peter Morazic and James Reimer under contract, both at very reasonable deals. I believe basically if you add up their cap hits, you don't get to a Marc-Andre Fleury level cap hit. So they have basically very good goaltending locked down at a very fair price, but they don't have that kind of true number one guy that you feel good about heading into a postseason with. I actually pulled up their salary cap table right now. They are basically paying their two goalies a combined $6.5 million, so less than one Marc-Andre Fleury costs. And they're getting, I would say, you know, average to above average production uh, with those two guys as a tandem. So, you know, economically, it kind of makes sense to have those guys of course, it just uh, you know becomes an issue when and if they believe they are a cup contender, which they certainly you know look to be at this point. When do you try to go out and go from good goaltending to great, and how do you go about making that happen? Uh, they're kind of in a fascinating position there. So certainly, it makes sense that they are one of the teams that was kind of floated around as a possible landing point for Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, if I was Fleury, I would certainly love to play in front of that group of defensemen because they are very, very good. Um, so they're certainly a team to keep an eye on, not just, of course, in the Marc-Andre Fleury conversation, but uh, just going forward in the NHL next year because those bunch of jerks are a bunch of fun, even without Justin Williams, who uh, retired this year. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see the storm surge again. Like Of all the things that I miss, like that's certainly near the top of the list. Like, you know, just... <laughs> I don't know, it's weird. Like, there's certain things... Um, I, I, I apologize. I think his name is Joey Moss, I believe, um, who is a locker room attendant in Edmonton passed away yesterday. There was a lot of stuff on Twitter. Um, a lot of, um, kind of eulogies and memories of him and things like that. And, you know, it's been so long, like those are the types of things that you kind of take for granted, you know, storm surge and just people in general, all, all those sorts of things. So can't wait to, to get back to it all, you know, fingers crossed, everything gets safe and, you know, we'll see if Bill Foley's right. Maybe they can, you know, get 40% in the building. Maybe they can have a season. Maybe they can, you know, salvage something, but 
you know, again, I think it's just, everybody's got to be safe and, and we'll, you know, we'll kind of see how it shakes out, but yeah, man, I miss it. Miss that storm surge, miss everything. No, I do too. So wear a mask everyone. So uh, we can get those COVID numbers down and we're able to have these fun experiences again. Uh, just to recap what Dave and I just went through. Dave uh, put $20 on the Winnipeg Jets. It's 40 to one to win the Stanley cup. He put $10 on each of the New York teams, the Islanders and the Rangers. They were each at 25 to one, put $5 on the Penguins at 20 to one, $5 on the Canadians at 60 to one. Uh, I too put $5 on the Montreal Canadiens at 60 to one. I put $5 on the Colorado Avalanche at eight to one. They are the, uh, have the third lowest odds currently, according to uh, the Westgate. I put $10 on the Bruins at 14 to one, $10 on the Leafs at 16 to one. Uh, $10 on the Hurricanes at 25 to 1 and $10 on the Flames at 30 to 1. Uh, I think it'll be interesting if uh, to revisit these picks somewhere down the line if and when uh, we have a postseason and hopefully uh, another uh, Stanley Cup lifting. Uh, we'll see kind of how Dave and I ultimately do. Just remember that these are supposed to be best bets, not necessarily, you know, straight up picks because I don't think Dave, either Dave or I are saying it's likely. The Canadians lift the Stanley Cup. We just think that uh, 60 to 1 is a pretty good number for them. And also, don't actually use what we just said as actual gambling advice because, once again, neither of us actually bet on the NHL. We are not allowed to for per kind of the limitations of our job. So we don't actually have skin in the game on this. So I would think about this a lot harder if I actually had skin in the game. Uh, but hopefully that was fun for everyone. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Um, remember to please check out all our Golden Knights coverage at ReviewJournal.com. Uh, as we talked about earlier on the podcast, Dave has an interview with Mark andre Fleury up there. Our colleague Mick Akers uh, recently went on a tour of Lifeguard Arena in Henderson, the future Silver Knights practice facility. And so there's video, photo, uh, and a cool story up there if you guys are wondering how that is progressing and how that is looking. Uh, I will also be checking out the Silver Knights uh, actual new home arena, which is uh, under construction tomorrow. So look for that story on Wednesday. Uh, and of course, rate, review, subscribe, whatever you do to podcasts, please do to this one. Uh, as a reminder, we are presented by Indeed and Favorshot, drinkafavor.com. Uh, I'm Ben Goats. That was Dave Shane. We are the Golden Edge Podcast. And we'll talk to you guys again real soon. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.